Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Happy franchise tag day for the Buccaneers if they choose to use it over the next two weeks. And I apologize straight out for my voice. I am playing hurt, Steve. I'm doing it for you freaking people. Were you yelling at the lightning tonight during the game? I felt like it. I mean, because I remember the last conversation we had about the Lightning after they gave up, what, nine goals the other night, um, was that, well, we'll see if this is just a one-off, see how they come out and play. And they started okay. They gave up a goal, and then it was just awful. I mean, Ottawa, you know, controlled that game. I think they only had at one point, I don't know, 10 shots through two periods, something like that. And... It wasn't an inspired performance when you you really want to bounce back. It almost was as if there was a little bit of a hangover effect of, uh oh, we're behind now. Here we go again. They didn't react to that first goal very well. They didn't, and they had lots of problems getting the puck out of their zone. Lots of problems mm-hmm. executing passes. They just kept getting stuck in their zone. Just yeah, it couldn't get it out. And then yeah, and Ottawa's a very fast team. They're young. They're fast. They're really quick. Yeah, and they fly the zone too. Like yep. every chance they got, they're flying two, three guys. Yep. And they took advantage. And the Lightning, for whatever the first five or six minutes, played pretty well. They had lots of offensive zone times. They had what's like six shots on net in the first five minutes or something. Yeah. And then they went and then had like one the rest of the first period. Yeah. And, you know, it just, it, it's like that first, you know, they, they got off to a good start the way you wanted to see. You're like, okay, this is it. This is, you know, this is what you want to see the pushback. And then they gave up that goal, and they got tentative. And then they played hesitant. And you can't hesitate in this game today. I mean, it's, you know, Phyllis Pazito often talks about, you know, they don't they don't always make good decisions, but but then he'll flat out tell you, well, you can't hesitate. And and there's just there's too much hesitation in their game right now. It's waiting for the perfect shot, waiting for the perfect pass, mm-hmm. and it's causing them not to get the puck out of their zone, not to execute clears not execute rushes and zone entries and the other teams pouncing on it. And, you know, whether it's a, a bigger issue or just a bad couple games, we'll find out over time. They've got a couple practice days now before they play Washington on Thursday night, but mm. it was not a good performance against Ottawa. It's kind of what they did early in the year. Remember they, they didn't, they had trouble getting it across mm-hmm. the blue line for whatever reason. And, and a lot of the same sort of turnovers and odd man rushes that gave up a few more. It's a lot like that. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's. I won't I would say a carbon copy, but. It's reverting back to bad habits, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not, I, I wasn't thrilled with some of the goals Vazzy gave up tonight. I didn't think he had a good night. Right, right. Um, I didn't think he got over quick enough on a couple of them. And mm-hmm. I mean, they were good shots and, you know, there wasn't any ones you went oof. But, you know, one or two of those more, maybe he should have stopped. Sure. So it was, you know, that's not the performance you needed to see. Now in this four-game homestand, you're one and two, right. which means you cannot get more points than games. Yeah, exactly. Which you're in a playoff push. And and there's a lot of games on Monday for President's Day, and a lot of the teams around you in the standings all won. They won, yeah. That hurt them. 
Yeah, that's what Cooper made note of that. And he just said, look, he goes, you know, the worst of this is not sort of how we played or anything. He goes, we can't get this back. You know, we're, you know, these are all the games we have to try to rack up some points to make the playoffs and, and whatnot. And he goes, and it's, you know, it's gone now. So, um, that's, that's the shame of it. But, you know, it was weird because they, they played well going into the break. They lost a couple coming out. Then they righted, seemed to, you know, really found their stride. They beat Boston. They beat some good teams. And then now this homestand has not been good. So it's, uh, you know, and they got one more game and they go back on the road, you know. So it's kind of crunch time right now for them. But yeah, now yeah this is game 57, which means there's 25 games left. Now it's going to go fast. And Matthew yep. Joseph, of course. Does what he does against the Lightning. Had a good game, two goals. Now, well, he's got like four goals now. I think in five games against the Lightning, something like that. <laughs> Gotta love it, man. These guys get up for playing their former teammates, don't they? Hey, wouldn't you? Heck yeah, yeah, man. That's that's all part of it, man. Mm-hmm. Put a little chip on my shoulder, and I, I can go in there and you know try to show you how you made a mistake. Look, players find any reason to get motivated. Of course, of course, no doubt about that. So we'll see if they can straighten it out, and uh, they play a couple night, couple nights from now. Is that right? Um, Thursday night against the Capitals. Thursday, okay, against the Capitals. And they got uh, day games this weekend, back to back on Saturday, Sunday, two o'clock, one o'clock. Wow! And then Tuesday night on the road. So it's three and four on the road starting Friday. All right. Well, better finish this homestand stronger. It's going to be it's going to be a tough week, tough week and a half for them. Um, I mentioned today. So today is the day that NFL teams can uh, begin to apply uh, the franchise player tags. Uh, and it doesn't mean they, – they got two weeks to make that decision. Um, after that, you don't have access to, to that little vehicle. And then what it's what it's for, basically, is you, know, you get the ability to more or less prevent one player that's going to be an unrestricted free agent from sort of entering the marketplace. Um, you know, th- there are certain ways that a team can, depending on what kind of tag, you know, whether it's exclusive franchise tag or not, um, you know, a team might be able to sign your player to an offer sheet, and but you would have, the, you know, the right of first refusal to match. And if you didn't, you'd get two number one picks. And that just doesn't happen. So for our purposes of this discussion, you know, there, we know the free agents that the Bucks want to keep or have said they want to keep, obviously – I think that list starts with Antoine Winfield Jr., um, more so even than Baker Mayfield. And and if they do use the franchise player tag this year, um, the story that I wrote in the Tampa Bay Times on TampaBay.com says it will be Antoine Winfield Jr. doesn't mean they're going to use it, um, but, but they got two weeks to determine that. And you know, based on how negotiations are going or whatnot, um, he's the guy. And, and as much as anything, there's, there's several reasons why you would do it with him instead of a Mike Evans or or even a Baker Mayfield. Um, the the biggest one is it's it's less money. Um, you know when you when you take on a franchise player tag, you're guaranteeing that player the you know the average of the top five salaries at his position. Now, in the case of Winfield, I don't think you can even argue that he's a top five player at safety. I mean, he was an All Pro, which means he's one of two, right? Uh, he didn't make the Pro Bowl, but that's that's more about the voting that that you know occurs. But All Pro means you're you know you're one of the top two safeties in the game. And I think the year that he had, and the year years that he had before that, have certainly proved it. I mean, this guy is a human highlight film, and 
you just go back and I, I didn't even go through the whole season, but just off the top of my head, when I was writing this story, I thought about here's three games, right? Um, they're playing Carolina at home and you know, he has the game ceiling interception and that's, that was a three point win. Um, he strips the football from uh, Desmond Ritter again, this time in the end zone in Atlanta when they had to win. Uh, it results in a safety. It was a sack, you know, sack fumble recovery. Um, and then he had, you know, the season opener, he did the same thing. He stripped Kirk Cousins and he recovered the fumble. Um, and th- those are three games, and I know there's more, where he just made a play, made the play, made a series of plays, you know, that that won the game. And it's so rare, you know, from the safety position to be able to affect a game at every level. He can rush the passer, right? He had, um, what was it, I think six sacks. Um, he can intercept passes. He had three of those. And and in forced fumbles, he led the NFL with six forced fumbles. He has this sort of peanut Tillman punch, the peanut punch, um, where he can get the ball out, and it's it's a it's a very uh, uncanny knack of doing that while you're while you're getting guys on the ground. And you know you can go back and almost look at any game that he just fills up a stat sheet. Um, so he, to me, he was their most viable player on defense, and maybe one of the most viable players altogether. And it's rare that a guy in the back end like that would have such an impact. So the great thing about, you know, if you if you felt like you couldn't get a deal done in these next two weeks and applying the tag on him, it's simply because it's, you know, less money. It's in it's in that sixteen point two million dollar range. And, you know, the Bucks, this is all counting, but the Bucks right now um, have a better salary cap situation than they did a year ago, about a hundred million dollars better because they were about seventy-seven or so million dollars um, in dead money last year uh, over the cap, and then this year they're starting the process. Um, you know, some thirty-seven or so million um, under the cap. So, uh, you know, it, it, you can't afford some of those other values. Let's say, for example, that they wanted to franchise Baker Mayfield. And I, and I thought this was a real possibility. And look, uh, could they change their mind? Could something happen where they're close to a deal with Winfield and they feel like, well, we can, we're going to get that one done. Let's, let's, let's use this tag on somebody. They could. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but like with Mayfield, you know, his tag alone would be $36.3 million, And it goes on right away. Like as soon as you use that franchise player designation, you you've got to account for that money out of your salary cap, and you know it, it's a hard it's a hard cap in a sense. So you wouldn't have any money to do anything with anybody else, you know, until you started cutting players, and then they're going to create some cap room. You know, maybe it's Shaquille Barrett, maybe some others that'll still have some dead money on it, but in, in total, you'll be saving some here or there. But it's difficult the way this roster is constructed, and. So, you know, and then you go, well, what about Mike Evans? Okay, well, Mike Evans, you know, a, a franchise value for a receiver is $20.7 million. Sounds reasonable. I mean, Chris Godwin's going to make $20 million this year. Um, but he has, you know, on, as of Monday, him and Mayfield both had contracts, you know, that were going to void, and they would add money to the salary cap. These are contracts they extended to, to – to create some room last year and you know if if they didn't get a new deal done by yesterday by monday 
then those you know those numbers would would increase uh would go on the salary cap and so you're talking about the between the two of them like 14.5 million dollars so it would have there are other ways for them to again go back in and when they get new deals reduce that but again you're, you're taking on more money for them already and you know you you can't you simply can't afford at this point you know putting 36.3 million on the, on the books for Baker Mayfield um it's hard to do business with anybody else so i don't know that they'll use the cap like this or the uh, franchise tag they you know they didn't last year and we thought for all the world it would just you know they didn't have any money but we thought they would at least use maybe apply it to a Jamel Dean um they didn't but right as the start of this uh, legal tampering period, which is usually three days before the start of the new league year, when players become free agents, they signed Jamel Dean to a, to a you know four year contract. So it was fifty two million dollars. It was not a small deal. Um, so they've used it. They've not used it. Um, you know, I think you go back and you kind of look at it. Uh, I think seven times since it was uh, implemented in 93. That's not a lot. This is not a team that really uses that tag very much. Um, as of late, you know, Chris Godwin got it twice. He got it in 2021, and then he got injured, and he got it again in 2022. Um, he's the first player to, to to receive it twice for the Bucks. The others that, that were had the tag applied to him was Shaquille Barrett. Um, then you got to go all the way back to 93. Uh, to Paul Gruber and Chidi Ahanatu and Antonio Bryant, Connor Barth, who was a kicker in 2012, uh, was you know the last of sort of the sort of semi-modern era. Uh, so it's not it's not something that that you necessarily want to use. Um, you'd much rather just go ahead and negotiate and get a deal with somebody. Um, but it's there in case you feel like you know we just can't come to an agreement on value and we don't want to lose our player. Um, so in that instance, you know, that's why, that's why, okay, we, we don't want to lose any of these guys, but we really don't want to lose, you know, an Antoine Winfield Jr. I mean, you know, you're talking about sort of the arc he's on. Um, you could see him being a Rondé Barber, you know, in, and Rondé played forever, but if this guy played another, I don't know, five, six years, he could end up in a pro football hall of fame, you know, and, so I, I mean I, I don't think people are surprised by this. I actually don't part of me doesn't think they're gonna use it at all. Part of me thinks that, you know, they're going into it with the idea that they'll use it on Mayfield if, if need be, uh, while continuing to negotiate with all these guys. And I think the thing they have going for them is that all of them seem to be, at least outwardly, wanting to come back. And that's the biggest thing, is that Usually, when you have two willing parties, they can they can work out you know come to an agreement on value, um, and it may take it may go into free agency. Some of them may actually hit free agency and decide to remain with the team. You don't want to have to shop offers like that's not really fair to the team you're negotiating with to go. Well, okay, I got this much from the Texans. Let me go back and see if the Bucks will match it. That's just not good business. Um, but well, let's not be naive. When, when I go to the NFL Combine next week. In fact, I think next Tuesday, a week from today, is when Jason Light and and uh, Todd Bowles will speak up there in Indianapolis. Um, even though, quote unquote, the you know the negotiating period won't begin, uh, you know, for another couple of weeks after that, the discussions have begun. 
you know, and there there will be teams meeting with certainly the agents of their own free agents um, and talking about what deals will look like. Um, so they'll have a better idea by the time they get back from Indy. There's something about, you know, face-to-face meetings versus, you know, exchanging ideas on the phone or text or whatever. I, I just think, you know, business seems to be done that way in Indianapolis. And, and so as much as guys are there to see draft picks and, you know, watch guys run and work out in the underwear Olympics and all that, it's, it's as much about business of free agency, which comes up really fast when they get back. You know, like they get back from that thing, and by like March 13th, they're in a negotiating period. So I think we'll have a lot more clarity maybe by then. Um, the only thing I know, Steve, is that I, I know Baker Mayfield wants to stay in Tampa, and I know they want him here. Um, you know, here's a guy that's bounced around, you know, four, four teams and, you know, 15, 16 months when he got to Tampa. Um, his wife's about to have their first child in April. They love living here. Like, they, they love living here. Well, who doesn't? His teammate, he, yeah, right. That's why I haven't got I mean, his teammates love him, love playing for him. Can't imagine, you know, them bringing another quarterback in here. Sure, you got Kyle Trask in a contract. We don't know what he could do. Um, but it's just different, right? I mean, this guy mm-hmm. was the alpha. He came in. He's the Pied Piper. Everybody followed him. He took him to the playoff. He won a playoff game, you know, a minute or so away from a championship. Like, um, they, you know, he. this is his team. And what I find interesting, and it, there was a story, and I don't know who, who, who originated, but, like, you know, the idea, well, you know, there's going to be competition, and there could be. I'm not suggesting that nobody would want to resign, would want to sign Baker Mayfield. He deserves to be a starting quarterback, and I think he proved it last year. But the one that we saw, Steve, what was it, New England? Is that? Yeah, I saw someone from WEEI radio station there tweeting that. Yeah. You know, well, they're not franchising, tagging Baker, so he's coming to New England. I mean, was he the player to be named later in the Tom Brady trade? <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of like a bad exchange, right? We'll take Brady, you get Mayfield, but. Um, <laughs> But but what's even more bizarre about that is okay so you got a new head coach, right? And clearly the quarterback has not worked um, from from Alabama. But but here's the thing: you're picking third in the draft. Okay, one, two, three. All right. This is by all accounts, and look, scouts get this wrong sometimes. But this is by all accounts one of the deepest, most talented collection of quarterbacks that have ever entered the draft. Okay, in one in one draft, I mean we're going back to '84 with Dan Marino and Jim Kelly and those guys. So, if you look at it in that context and you say, "Okay, what's the worst we could do at number three? I don't know, Jalen Daniels. You know what I mean? Like you're going to get a, a, a you know a like mm-hmm. a transformative quarterback that can do ridiculous things. You know, at number three, and that's if that's if the first two guys are gone. Right. Yeah, I saw Joel Klatt put out a tweet on uh, Monday. Said if he were to rank quarterbacks as prospects since 2012, which had Andrew Luck and RG3. Well, that that was a tremendous draft. Right. But here's how he would stack up all the quarterback prospects since going into the draft. One, Caleb Williams. Two, Trevor Lawrence. This is is ahead of a a guy like Pat Mahomes? Well, uh, hold on. We'll get there. Three, Joe Burrow. All right. For Drake May, so you already have two of Drake the top May, four. two in the top four from this a year. prospect. He said five Bryce Young, and he said no. The evaluation of a Holmes was difficult, and no quarterback had ever succeeded from that offense prior. 
you know, part of, you know, the evaluation is what do they run in college? How's that going to translate to the pros? Yeah, there's a lot of people got that one wrong. Yeah. I mean, you know, does anyone, th- you know, he think about to the think Chiefs. about what they were as a prospect, not what they are now, but Yeah, we know that yeah, it's everybody's everybody's right when they have the answers, right? I mean, when, once you know. we know the results. And, and Joel's probably not a draft expert, but he's I think he's a pretty good evaluator of football. And College he's already, football. he's got two of two of the top five prospects over the last 12, 12 years, 11, 12 years, are in this draft. There's your top two. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you hear lots of different things on, you know, Michael Penix and Bo Nix and oh, Jalen Daniels. I mean, Dan, you know. Daniels, J.J. McCarthy. I mean, some yeah, of it's speak trying to pump people. I mean, you're hearing a lot about McCarthy now. I wonder if that's real or. Well, it kind of started with Jim Harbaugh, you know. Well, uh, sure. I, the thing about McCarthy is I could see his stock really rising, really rising, because I think he's going to work out okay. I don't know that he's as accurate as I want to see. Um, I saw him miss some easy throws. I saw Penix miss some throws, though. The, the hard part throws. with McCarthy is he didn't throw the ball a lot in college. No. Like, you're seeing didn't. you're seeing now some evaluations of, like, he's the closest to Joe Burrow if he just was in an offense that threw the ball. Mm. And he might be. I don't know. I know this. He lost one game in three years. Now, that says a lot about Michigan's defense, too, but. Well, it does, but I also think he's kind of got that that it factor at quarterback. That's what they say. That's what they say. You know, but but is the skills going to be good enough to go with that to the next level, especially right? Yeah, I mean, okay. you got to you got to be incredibly accurate and be able to throw with anticipation. Now, maybe maybe Harbaugh knows, and I know he's hyping his guy, but maybe he knows what JJ is able to see. You know, so much of it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you understand post snap the rotation of defenses? Do you understand that you know if you're running something that's a cover two beater, and then they you got a bunch of crossing routes like Brady was talking about the other day, and it's not covered two, or it is covered two, and it's not going right. to work. Like, can you recognize that and get to something that that right. that is an answer? Well, and how you watch yeah. film and how you evaluate, yeah, film all that stuff. There's know. just so much to that position at the NFL level, right? And sometimes. I think guys can be better quarterbacks in the NFL than they were in college because I think system has a lot to do with that. You know, obviously Mahomes is a better quarterback than he showed. You know, I, I think their um, system, not only your offensive system, but I think the defensive systems are more predictable as well. The talent's better, no question. Right. But in college, you have, I mean, you get these week, bizarre. You can be running into bizarre defenses and changing up every week. The pros, I mean, most of the defenses are very similar. I mean, there's three, four the to talent. Four, three, the talent's a lot better, but yeah, well, overall talent, yeah, absolutely. I but mean, but you know, know what you're going to get on certain downs and distances. I mean, right. You know, it's you just know, like you, when you go up if you're a defense in college going against offense every week. It's something completely bizarre. It's and a different. gimmick. Yeah, right. You know? We go the nine man front on this 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 team, and then you know, then the next week there's something totally different. But so yeah, I think predict more predictable but obviously it's a much higher level and, oh. and every player is an nfl player as opposed to two or three or whatever you're facing across the, the board the one thing i always saw and, and granted i watch more jj than the others but I, i'm not sure how good he is at anticipating right, right. because Can those are the throw a guy like, open not wait for him to be open not not open. see and that's the biggest transition yeah. like quarterbacks in college football it's like i see he's open i'll throw it to him in 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 the nfl you're throwing to a spot. You had right? to see like, he was open 
before he knew he was open. That's correct. Like you, the coverage has to, the coverage actually takes you to the where the ball should go. Yeah. And you know, I was talking to guys at the Bucks about this, uh, the Green Bay game. You know, if you remember what a good game Mayfield had. Mm-hmm. Mayfield really wasn't throwing to open receivers in that game. If you go back and watch, these guys ran such great routes. And the one I'm thinking specifically, the one to Chris Godwin, um, the over route, I think to David Moore, like the ball had to be thrown within two yards of the hash mark, right? So many yards downfield. And it was delivered in such a way that when the ball leaves Mayfield's hand, the, there's there's no separation there, right, between the defender and, and the receiver. It isn't until the ball is already being thrown, you know, two yards outside the right hash um, that that space is created because the receiver makes his break and and, he, and he's in the right spot. The receiver and the ball are in the right spot. That's how you make plays in the NFL. Um, and so, you know, it's about stemming the routes correctly, getting to the right areas, the ball delivered in the right area, because it's a very small window. And if he'd have thrown it inside by a yard, uh, a linebacker or a safety might have got may have, may have intercepted it. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's – and that's the throw. Like, I remember one throw specifically that J.J. missed in the championship game, and it was it seemed like an easy throw, but he was late getting it out there, and he missed it. He just missed – he missed – the guy was open. He couldn't throw him open. And and it was whether it was bad mechanics or whatever, he just kind of airmailed one. It was an easy, kind of an easy completion. It was a, a fairly, I remember it being a third down or somewhere where they needed to convert. And I just went, hmm, that's not a good throw. Like that's one you that's one of those me to you throws, you know that you have to you have to get it out on time and it has to be accurate. And he couldn't do it in a big moment. And that's the thing that kind of scared me on. And that's only one. I didn't watch him play every game. But I watched him play the national championship. Now he, you know, he won the game, obviously. And there is a lot about belief at that position, but it's really production, right? You you've got to be able to, you know, to go out there and, and complete a lot of balls and you know uh, avoid turnovers and all those things. There's so much to playing quarterback in the NFL um, that's different about college. But but I could see his stock going up. In other words, mm-hmm. if he goes out and he works out well, which I think he'll do, you know. He's a he's a clean player, Steve. Like there's no, you know, all the intangibles are off the charts. You know that's yep. so somebody can fall in love with him pretty easily. Mm-hmm. No question. And and you know then you get a guy like Michael Penix who you wonder what the physicals are going to show. Well, absolutely, yeah. but you wonder what the physicals are going to show and what. Oh, they're going to kill him. Will be scared of those. They're going to kill him. I'll tell you why he's going to fall. I think is there are teams that will want him to fall. Okay, mm-hmm. including this one. Because, I mean, Bruce Arians, unbelievably, is on record saying that's his favorite quarterback. <laughs> so, good luck Good luck trying to see him at, whatever, 27 or whatever they're picking. But, um, but I think when he gets to Indianapolis, there will be, you know, those medicals are going to come out and they're going to show what? You know, two ACL tears, shoulder set, you know, all this stuff. And they're going to – teams that want him to drop – and I'm not saying the Bucks will do this, but they would be one that would want him to drop. But other teams that want him to drop, they'll be putting out all kinds of stuff about the guy. You know, not healthy, too much of a risk, blah, blah, blah. And that's okay. It, it, it probably will push him down, you know, a little bit. But 
you know, the other part of that is, okay, he's had these injuries. It's not Tommy John. I mean, these are ACLs, but he's had these injuries. What does it say about the guy, right, to come back from those? How, what's his, what's his, you know, compete level? What's his want to level here? Mm-hmm. No you know? question. And he's already done it, right? Like, you don't have to wonder about, hey, you know, it's a violent sport. You're going to have to deal with some stuff. He's one of the toughest guys mentally, right? That's had to, to had to not just one, but to go through two ACLs, all the shoulder, all that stuff, and still come back and not just play, but play at an extremely high level and not be afraid. You know, he still runs the ball when he has to. He's not a scrambler, but he's mobile enough. You know, and I think the film is what they're going to fall back on. You know, some teams going to just say, "Look, I I can't ignore what a good." Th- what a good passer this guy is. I can't ignore how accurate he is. And especially as Bruce said to me and others, it's the downfield throws that impress you, you know, like his deep ball accuracy is really something. So I, I mean, it only takes one team and, and God knows there's a lot of needs for quarterbacks out there. Um, but if, if Penix, you know, fell to the second round or third round, I mean, he's, be a, I think I don't think he makes it to the third round, but there's going to be a ton of teams after him. But yeah, you got I mean, you got five or maybe what are they saying? Five first rounders, maybe more at the quarterback position, and all of them they think are you know sort of plus plus guys. So I don't see how New England with a new coach, Belichick's gone. Um, you, you're kind of starting over with a new regime. Why not? Why not in this draft? Go get your potential franchise quarterback. I just don't get it. I I I, I don't think Baker is going to be their answer. Let's put it that way. Well, he, you know, unless unless Jared Mayo and staff decides they want a more veteran quarterback to try. Well, to help maybe this team, you know, and then it's Baker Mayfield. Do you go trade for you know Justin Fields? Um, you know, Kirk Cousins. I guess it depends on you know where they think are they ready to win. At. Is New England ready to win now though I, in that division? With I would Miami think I would. I mean, if I'm them, I'm going for a young quarterback that I'm going to build my team around. But right, I would too. And you got him for five. Here's the thing: mm-hmm. you got him for five years on a rookie deal. That's the yep. biggest thing in football right now. Absolutely. You know, um, typically when those when those quarterbacks, you know, get up there, um, you start losing pieces around them because you can't afford them. And I mean, the quarterback. You know, we were talking about Mayfield, and people are like, well, if you franchise him, it's, you know, it's $36 million. Like, wow, that's a, you know what? What a bargain that's going to feel like in a year from now when Trevor Lawrence is a free agent. When, well, the salary cap this year is going, what, from up from 224 to 250 probably? It's $25 million, yeah, per team. I mean, they're making so much money in the NFL, and, of course, what, 48-point-something percent of the designated gross revenues go to player costs. And so your your payroll is getting bigger and bigger. I mean, these next this next round of quarterbacks are going to be signing. There's going to be a six per year in front of all these salaries, sixty million dollars. And so a Baker Mayfield at I don't know. Let's say it's the franchise number thirty six, thirty seven. Let's say it's even forty million, right? That they paid Daniel Jones a couple of years ago. Um, a year from now, if he's playing the way he played. A year from now, that's going to seem like a bargain. I mean, you already got him for one year for what? Almost not even seven million with all the performance bonuses. So if you take, if you said, okay, well, we're going to pay him. Let's say they pay him forty million. Even uh, 
you know, 40 plus six, or we got him for two years at 46 million. When you really think about it, that's $23 million the last two years average. I mean, geez, man, you made out, you know? Um, so I, I think that's why, that's why I think this deal gets done, you know, and, and Baker, you know, for him, for his part, would he like to make 50, 60 million? Sure he would, you know, I mean, this might be the only free agent contract he signs. You certainly can't be guaranteed it in football that you're going to make it to a you know to a second contract. But when you look at where he is and and how little he made last year, six million dollars, uh, you know, getting paid close to forty million is an enormous leap. And for a guy who's also you know has asked a court to figure out where the twelve million dollars he gave his dad and his brother in an investment firm went, um, that's a big deal. And so. You know, I I tend to think that they're going to have a, an agreement there somewhere, you know, shy of forty million, or maybe it's maybe you guarantee him, uh, you know, sixty million over three years, that kind of thing, uh, but have a three year deal that that increases. I, I don't know what the total value will be, but it's going to be much closer to forty than it will thirty. I can tell I can tell you that. Um, I don't think the Bucks would have any problem giving him the franchise number. I don't. It's not. It's just they can't take that on the cap right now. But as far as the value goes, I don't think they have any trouble with it. You know, I think I think they'd be fine with it. So it's going to be interesting. It's it's these. This is one of the few sort of off seasons where you have a, a bunch of free agents, but not just free agents, but like this is like the core of your team, right? I mean, you're talking, you know, the quarterback. I mean, there's nothing bigger than that. Uh, an iconic Hall of Fame wide receiver that no one can imagine playing in another uniform, maybe even himself. Um, and then, you know, trying to lock up perhaps a Tristan Wirfs who's, you know, in a fifth-year option deal, which is fine. But a guy like that, you'd like to go ahead and, and lower his cap number by signing him to a long-term contract because, you know, the player is going to want it a year early if he can get it. And you certainly don't want to, you know, to have to franchise him a year from now. So, if you could, if you could throw that to them, so right now, on their payroll, they have one player that's making twenty million dollars. One, that's Chris Godwin. If they re-sign all the guys that they want to keep and or get from somewhere, like you're talking, you're gonna have five or six guys making twenty million plus, over twenty million, right? Twenty million plus. So that's how you know, and and the, the while the team is in better cap shape. They're not in great cap shape. They haven't dug completely out, you know, of of the of the weeds from the Super Bowl years, you know, and, and um, you know, even as recently as last year, you know, they were adding voidable years to Baker's deal, voidable years to Mike's deal, and so on. So they're still not there yet, but they've got a a bunch of players that are that are going to make a lot of money this year, and and from somewhere. And so the question is, can you can you keep them all? Can you make this work here? I think people have asked this question. Like, can they keep Baker and can they keep, you know, Evans and can they keep Wood? Absolutely they can. All three. There's no question they can do it. They're just going to have to structure the contracts in such a way, um, you know, to where a lot of that signing bonus or guaranteed money is spread out over a longer period. Um, and and they're going to have to cut some players, you know, and that's that's the other part of the equation. I remember when we were up in – Indianapolis a year ago, it was funny because um, 
I found out they were they had released Leonard Fournette. I actually had an exchange with him about it, and you know they were going to save I don't know what they whatever they saved six eight million dollars, but um, Leonard said yeah you know I'm actually I'm actually asked for it or so he claimed, and he said uh, because I, I want to be with a winner I'm a winner I want to play for a winner. Well, as you know, Leonard Fournette didn't get signed by anybody until, what, halfway through the season he got put on the practice squad at New England. I think he was active a couple games. I saw him returning kickoffs one game uh, and running the ball a little bit. But, you know, for a guy that wanted to be traded, things didn't work out the way he expected. So, careful what you ask for. But there will be there will be players that, you know, will be uh, are going to be made free agents, going to be released, and They'll take the salary cap hit, but actually it wind up saving money on the cap overall. There'll just be some dead money they have to take. Um, so we'll let Mike Greenberg and Jason Light and all those guys do that. But, um, you know, the goal is obviously get them all back. If Worfs has to play under the fifth-year option, it's $18.244 million. Um, his, his new contract's going to exceed that by a lot. I think it'll be one of the top – three top two or three highest paid tackles in the NFL and the now it's a left tackle on top of that not you're not paying a right tackle you're playing a left tackle um so they got some big ticket items but these are the this is the main players in the organization so um yeah I think I think it'll get done I think all this will get done um and if it doesn't then it's going to be an interesting offseason because now you go into it saying, okay, what are we doing at quarterback? You know, and it is Kyle Trask is obviously going to get his bite of the apple because this is his last year under the deal. And like I said, they told some, you know, candidates that were coming in here for offensive coordinator, well, we kind of look at Baker and and, and Kyle still at kind of 1A, 1B. I, I don't think that's remotely true. Um, but they're still talking up Kyle Trask on the event that, hey, you know what? It, it's Baker's decision. And if he goes somewhere else, my guess, just me talking personally, I, I think that Trask is your starter um, or have every chance to be that. And I think they draft a quarterback fairly high, you know, and just roll with it and see what they got. I, I don't know what other solutions that would be out there. Are you going to go for a Kirk Cousins or are you going to go? I don't, I don't see those stopgap, uh, you know, opportunities for them. I don't, I don't see them doing that, but I could be wrong. But I think they would try to find out what Trask can do before they would go that route. All right, we're going to uh, update you on some uh, University of South Florida basketball rankings that might shock you. But first, I want to remind you guys that for the past 14 years, the skilled pros of May Electric Solar have been installing solar energy systems all throughout the state of Florida. Now, they provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods, and service while helping homeowners cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors. You know they've always offered the safest and most reliable equipment. Well, now May Electric Solar offers a 30-year, no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. Think about that. That means for 30 years, May Electric Solar, backed by Solar Insure, means that your roof, your electrical and equipment replacement is all covered. Now, Solar Insure even survives May Electric Solar. It's owned by the homeowner with no deductibles or additional fees, and the policy will be transferred if it needs to be to new homeowners also with no fee. This is not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of its program. May Electric Solar's reputation and history of workmanship has earned them this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, 
Call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I watched the game on Saturday. It was a great win. They almost blew a 25-point lead, but no worries. They got it done against uh, FAU Florida Atlantic, who was ranked 25th, Steve. So does that mean if you beat the 25th team in the country – and you won, what, 11 or so in a row, and you've mm-hmm. got 19. That means you're at least 25, right? Uh, no, not quite. Uh, the uh-huh. polls are 31st in the AP and 29th in the coaches poll. Ooh, so close. But remember, USF has never been ranked in the AP poll. Th- they know what? That shocked me. I'm, I don't know if shocked is a word, but that surprises me as long as they've been playing basketball that you know maybe those teams with Stan Heath that went to the tournament or mm-hmm. – you know Charlie Rose going back to the, the you know the, the Bradley days. Like I would have thought at some point they might have been ranked. Their football team got ranked as high as number two one year under Jim Levitt. Um, but yeah, so they they're just for the first time. What would it take? Another win, maybe another win or two. Um, I mean, I would think if they win this week, um, SMU. I think they play. Yeah. Joey Johnston had a tweet out. It says uh-huh. in 1991 after beating Iowa. Okay. USF men's basketball got 58 votes in the AP poll, two spots out of 25th. So they were 27. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. Two uh-huh. nights later on New Year's Eve, they lost at Cincinnati, which was an eventual Final Four team that year. That was a really good Cincinnati team. And that's as close. That's as close as USF has come to the top, to the top 25. 25. So wow, they beat Iowa. Yeah, they got they got up there, and then the next game they lost. Hmm. I'll tell you what, man. There were so many fans that you know they sold it out for the first time in I don't know since twenty something years. Twenty one since two thousand one. Yeah, uh, and that looked like so much fun, and there was so much energy that I'm going to bet you, no matter who they play, um, you're going to have another full house. It's going to be a big building because people, you know, the great the thing about Tampa uh, I found in this market in general is number one, there's a lot of people not from here, but number two. You, it's got to be the thing to do. Like people like to go to places where it's the thing to do, which in sports usually means they're winning, right? Mm-hmm. And we've done a lot. There's been a we talked about how many how much winning these teams have done, especially the the pro teams. But but a college atmosphere where you're winning, yep. there's nothing like it. You know there really isn't. I mean the pageantry, the bands. I loved loved covering NCAA basketball. Loved mm-hmm. it. You know there were years when Florida was relevant. And we were covering them as a beat that I went to every road game one year, or actually two years. Um, we didn't miss any, and it was it's it's just it's the best. And the, and March Madness is the best. Now college basketball is taking a hit, uh, ostensibly not just the NIL and the transfer portal and all that, but really the NBA has cut into them as soon as they let you know high school players or freshmen. You only have to play one year of college basketball if you go to college, so it's it's difficult for people to you know, follow college teams, right? You you know, you know who the coaches are, but the one and dones are so prevalent that if they do have a star, you don't get to see them long enough 
Um, it's not like the Bobby Hurley days at Duke, you know, and Christian Leitner that were there for 25 years. So it, it's a little, a little, it's, it's hurt college basketball more than even college football. Cause obviously there's not as many players. Um, but I'll tell you the energy of a, of a good college basketball program um, and, and you get into tournaments and things like that is, is the best to me. That's, that's a great atmosphere. So I bet you that, yeah, I don't know if they'll have 10,000 again or whatever, but I'll bet you it'll be a nice big house. Yeah, they're on the um, road Wednesday night in San Antonio at UTSA. Then they're home Sunday, another noon start against SMU. That's the SMU game, Who's yeah. tied for third in the conference. So that they're a good another team, really yeah. good team coming in. So yeah. you, you so hope they can the sell one. it out again or come close if not. Yeah, and if they take care of business, they'll be, uh-huh. you know, then they win that one, they'll probably will have a chance to be ranked. And and it'll be interesting to see sort of like if they win their conference, right, or their conference tournament, um, what kind of seed do you get? I mean, it's not the best basketball conference in the nation, but it's well, not I mean, bad. Yeah, no, I, I I think, well, tell me how they finish these last five games, and then, of course, if you win the tournament, you'll have won three or four games. You got automatic, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, you know, tell me how they do, particularly against SMU, and then you got Charlotte at Charlotte coming up next week. Right. That's a great – that's going to be – to me, that's going to be for the conference title. It should be. Yeah. And, of course, they got to do it on the road. They beat him here. Mm-hmm. they got to find a way to do it on the road. Charlotte's really, really good, too. So, good good for them and good for USF and, you know, Mike Kelly and all those guys. Hey, I, I, I'm I, fearful if I'm a USF, but this is the problem. Like we talked about, this is what you want, I suppose, mm-hmm. for the next guy. Um, but I, I don't see how their coach – and maybe, you know, the other part of it is maybe this guy will say, like, you know what, I want to build this. I like I yeah, you know, we knocked it out of the park year one. What would we do year two? Right? Or year three. Maybe he's that guy. Or maybe he's, you know, gets an offer he can't refuse at a power five program. That's more likely to me. Um, but that means that the next guy coming in will look at USF and go, wait a minute, these guys are relevant now. They got they got some talent. Maybe not all the guys follow him to to whatever college he goes to next. So it's a it's a good problem to have. You like that problem over, you know, gee, we can't find anybody to win ten games for us. Um, so, but it's uh, good for them. It's a, like I said, man, arrow up uh, in sports. We got spring training going on. Um, hockey's down to its last twenty, what twenty five games? Did you say? Yeah, lighting up twenty five left. Spring training yeah. games are getting set to start this weekend. And we got the Bucks uh, in free agency. Of course, uh, the Combine coming up next week. I'll be in Indianapolis talking to Jason Light. So a lot going on here at Sports Day Tampa Bay. You can also send us your mailback questions. We didn't get to any tonight. I do have a few uh, in the can, but go ahead and submit those to us anytime. Uh, you can do that um, on X or Twitter at, at NFL Stroud or at uh, Sports Day TB. Uh, or you can reach me on email at um, – uh, rstroud at at tampabay.com i forgot my email address rstroud at tampabay.com thanks for listening apologize for the voice hopefully it'll be better tomorrow or steve versnick i'm rick stroud of the tampa bay times have a great day everybody <laughs>